0: Yeah, that's like kind of the perfect chorus song holy shit okay cool well I guess we can just jump in from there uh my name's Liz welcome to the damsel's podcast everybody I'm here with uh Allie and Kendra and we're all in person yay it feels so good we're all vaccinated we're all alive uh, for the most part so far. <laughs> yeah externally hanging in there externally i don't think we're all necessarily screaming internally anymore mm, no, not constantly I I, yeah it's... well you're
1: you're getting right into what graduation like you're coming up on that like,
0: i've got 2 weeks left of yeah. grad school yeah yeah Almost you're bored. so done i yeah. yeah you're allowed to scream as much as you want to like for as know, long as you like your to. audio
2: system
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's so true so we are actually going to be talking about Somebody that I think has been on a lot of our minds for a while now, and that is Korra from Avatar The Legend of Korra. I feel like there's been a lot of talk about the Avatar series recently because of Netflix kind of deciding to expand on the universe, which we haven't heard a ton about. I'm kind of excited to see what they do. I'm just hoping that they're able to take it in a good direction that will like the actual, goddamn it! My brain is not working right now because I just hear puppies scratching against the door. I'm, gross. I'm the most grossest. You're fine. Uh, not we're, COVID. A, we're all dying. We just said we're not dying, but we Mummy. are actually all dying. We're
2: alive, but we're dead. We're
0: we're rebutting our previous statement <laughs> of, of not dying. Um, this is all staying in, just the sneezes, the door shutting, everything. Um, so I think that they are still going through with the Netflix series, but from what I've heard, there's been like talk of other potential like adaptations of the universe. And I haven't really listened to the the podcast that Dante Basco. Oh and Dante no. Basco does a podcast. Yeah, have they're you doing
1: told me this already. I was like got. I gotta go. Be <laughs> later.
0: I think I have. Um, they they're doing a podcast um, basically
2: about. You hey, remember that one time you told me about that movie Dante Basco was in and said it was really good and I should watch it and then I watched it and he died.
0: Yes, betrayed. Yeah, <laughs> basically. I can, honestly, in my defense, I could not remember that he died. Yeah, Braving the Elements. It's Dante Basco and Janet Varney. So it's the voice of Korra. Oh, nice. No, show. I haven't
1: kept up on anything. Um, We've been doing a lot of the MCU TV shows. So since that initial binge oh, yeah. of Korra, that's been it.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know if they're actually talking about, like any kind of future Avatar stuff on that show but I'm sure that they probably are. I'm excited for it just because like I think it's a universe that really needs to be expanded on. Like I think that it's one of those ones that like if they do it right and they like respect the show and they respect the creator and like they respect the the culture behind it that has been so pronounced I think that they could really like make some good media with it. I would
1: agree with that up until they announced that the creators were departing Netflix and go do our own thing, mm-hmm. and I was just like, ooh, that that to me struck a pretty heavy blow against the Netflix project, like, not out of its necessarily lack of merit, but just I, that has so much more merit out of the gate just from who it's coming from.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not super encouraging,
2: but... I think it's kind of a... Yeah. It's kind of a dangerous game, too, with something that so many people love and already have their own sort of headcanons around, and then to kind of go and make definitive decisions on it i don't know like with star wars they kind of went and did that they had like these whole series that went beyond the movies and then disney just said you know what that is all trash now we're going a different direction and it's going to be canon because we're the ones with all the money
1: yeah (laughs) yeah that's the reason the marvel video game flop for um the infinity gauntlet like They changed the voice actors and the characters weren't modeled to look like the actual movie characters. So everybody's like, that's not my Thor. Like, it was this whole thing that everybody just didn't like it. It didn't land.
0: Yeah. I think that, like I said, with the Avatar, like, I think that there's so much that they can expand on that would just be so interesting. Like, the Kyoshi books that came out. Like, I've heard really, really good things about those. I would love to see, like, expansions on like, some of the previous Avatars and just kind of, like, mm-hmm. what the importance of them was. Because, like, and and this is something that we'll kind of touch on in, in a minute here, but, like, one of the things that I noticed about the comparisons between the original Avatar series with Aang as the Avatar and then Korra as the Avatar is, like, you felt almost like the stakes with Aang were a lot higher, because it's, if we don't stop the Fire Nation, like, you have one consistent villain basically across the whole board, And if we don't stop the Fire Nation, then, you know, the world is going to be essentially destroyed as we know it. But whereas with Korra, it's like, okay, he's already saved the world. like, And there was this hundred-year gap as well before Aang where there wasn't an avatar. So, like, it sort of had this much larger importance to it than what the stakes were for Cora in a way, but at the same time, like, I think that one thing the show really did well with Cora as a character was build the stakes up around her and build the stakes up around this, the political situations and kind of her maneuvering between being somebody who is now supposed to live up to the name of all of these avatars that came before her and someone who's also just trying to become a, an adult woman. So I thought that was a pretty a pretty cool sort of area for them to explore. And one reason why it may not have resonated very well with the original Avatar audiences at first. It
2: which felt yeah. more stressful sometimes because all the, the stakes were technically lower. They were more complicated and there was more to keep track of. Yeah, they were like more concentrated almost. Yeah, And she has to, like she's trying to keep the public happy and keep the spirit world happy. And then the mayor is like, hey, but now I'm upset about something. Whereas with Aang, it was just kind of like, hey, I have to stop the Fire Nation from destroying the world. And everyone who wasn't Fire Nation was like, yeah, we can get behind that. Yeah, that's and
1: true. And yeah. had a lot more resistance. And to your point, Liz, like that break, there was a hundred year skip where society, we see a big leap forward between even Aang and Korra. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, and the avatars used to be like simple farm folk and it was just pleasant countryside. And now you have this political intrigue, Allie had mentioned coming in, that just kind of changed the entire what does it mean to be the avatar for her and then especially in later seasons when she loses the connection to everybody in the past, like, then you have to go that on your own. Like, that's rough. Like, that's precedent
0: setting. And on top of that as well, one thing I feel like doesn't really get talked about a ton is, like, this this somewhat, like, 60 or 70 year gap between, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. And technology has advanced, like, exponentially. And I think one thing that they do is, like, a really good job of, of kind of reflecting how technology advanced IRL because like, there was a time when there were no cars and then all of a sudden there were cars and it became almost like a commercialized thing. Like you have the Satomobile and like, so it's a really nice reflection of the industrial revolution kind of across the board. I think some of the culture of, you know, like the Asian culture and heritage sometimes gets lost in that of what the original story was really based in. But at the same time, like with Cora navigating that, it's almost like she is also kind of internally going through this like industrial revolution like in <laughs> her head. Now everything is advanced. Now we have to start focusing on different issues. Like now we have to start kind of making the avatar for a modern world. Mm-hmm. So, one thing that I've I noticed in Legend of Korra versus Avatar the Last Airbender, and I think that it, we can't talk about Korra without talking about all of the criticism of legend of Korra like I feel like it is like one of those things it's like a giant elephant in the room we can't just talk about the show and the character herself without talking about kind of the things behind it that made people very hesitant about watching it I myself was one of those people I didn't watch it until literally last year that wasn't necessarily because I was like oh I don't want to watch it because it's got a female lead and I'm blah, blah, blah. Like it was because I was just stuck on Zutara and still am. But
1: like, you know, like. There's room in your heart to love more than one (laughs) avatar. It's okay, Liz.
0: I didn't want to like open myself up to a world where Zutara was confirmed to not be canon. And I'm just like, it hurts me so much, but.
1: there will always be canon in your
0: heart. Exactly. But one thing that I thought was really different is that with Korra, we see her age And we don't see that in Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, basically confirmed over the whole series of Avatar The Last Airbender, all of these characters basically stay the same age. They're like one year or a year and a half or something like that. Hey, when you're a teenager, one year makes a big difference. It (laughs) It does. does. Especially (laughs) when you have
1: shared trauma on that level.
0: Yes but through Cora we see her she's 17 in book 1 18 in books 2 and 3 and then 21 in book 4 and I then you realize it jumped up yeah cuz she yeah. she spent like 3 years recovering from kind of the issue like when she was kidnapped by here that's right so
2: and i guess you notice it more with the the kids the um, tenzin's kids yes mm-hmm.
0: cuz they get they definitely get older the baby
1: was literally like like Prager's with the beginning of the thing <laughs> like, like yeah. you were a fetus you didn't even exist
0: and now you're like five years old, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20 four years old, math <laughs> like math, I can't do math. So I think seeing her get to age like that, especially in such a pivotal age range, right? Like 17 to 21, like you are at 17, I mean, you're still a child essentially, like not a full child, but like you are starting to explore yourself, your body, like other people, emotions. Things are running really high. And then when you get to twenty one, it's like at that point you're supposed to really have your shit together. And I think that it's when, um, well, well at least from what society like essentially deems as far as like the ages are concerned. Like, I was like
1: how when when are we supposed to have our shit together? I'm, I'm supposed to have that done by now? What? I,
0: yeah, I'm like twenty eight this year and I still don't have my shit together, which is I mean, I think that when it comes to Cora exploring herself, one of the best episodes which Allie and I watched yesterday was Cora Alone, where she kind of goes off, this is after she's come back, she's recovering from Zaheer, and she's essentially decided to just leave, and she's shed every, like, identifier of Water Nation, and like, it goes off to just kind of figure her shit out and she's haunted by this like apparition of herself in the avatar state because she's trying to really reconnect with that and it was a very beautiful episode it was very well done in just kind of showing that journey and when she ends that part of the journey she ends up in the swamp she's with Toph who we haven't seen in years in the show, she starts to kind of rebuild herself, and she has to go through, like, a reckoning of the things that she's done in the past that have been mistakes and the things that have happened to her that are traumatic. And I think watching somebody kind of come to terms with that and grip that kind of trauma was actually just, like, a really beautiful well-executed thing.
2: I love the part where Toph turns and says, like, what'd you say? I would recognize you anywhere, Twinkle Toes. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah,
0: nice to see you again, Twinkle Toes. Yeah, it was, like, my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Any time that you have a person who is aging at this kind of rate on a show, like, it's nice to see the growth with the character and also to kind of experience the growth with the character. And that's one kind of thing that, like, I personally feel like they made a mistake in when making this show so close to the end of Avatar The Last Airbender. I think that the audience that they were trying to target
1: was... to grow up a little bit, yeah? Yes,
0: yes. I think Avatar The Last Airbender ended, and you're still targeting the same age range... And then, like, what, two years later or something is when Korra came out? Mm-hmm. And it's like, these people aren't, they haven't grown up yet. Like, they don't know this stuff yet.
1: No, it's, it's Pixar's kind of... got that timing down, man. They did that shit with Toy Story so bad. I'm a cute assholes.
2: So, um, Harry Potter kind of, I guess they had mm. the natural aging of their cast, so that really helped, too, with, okay, well, if we're targeting people who are roughly Harry's age when he starts Hogwarts, like, kids and then all oh, these actors are growing so the audience is going to grow with them as we make the movies and they had that natural progression and the books progress that way too like the first book is written more for a kid and then you get to book seven and it's much more of an adult oriented book and yeah i think that's a good point like the timing with cora was just they're like hey let's do this now and yeah the audience just hadn't had enough time to physically and mentally grow yeah to the
0: point and Korra is very dark and mature and one thing I never really expected from the Avatar universe or like at least when I was younger and at that range like was for people to actually die in the show, like that was like grip, like grappling with death and stuff like that, and like seeing that, like in the episode with um, what is it, the Long Live the Queen, where the the Earth Queen oh, is literally God, they murdered. Her out. that
1: was awful. Like that
0: was a really scary thing to watch. Like, I mean, not for me because I had been watching yasha like long. Long since then, no, but, but it like, was just like you know, oh, you're
1: not pulling punches anymore. Yes. And like to your point about the aging, like she's unhappy. She's viscerally unhappy in those early adult years. Mm-hmm. Like it's like that whole uh, transition of like oh, youth slipping away, and like now I'm just tired all the time, and I never time to do the fun things. And like it's that whole allegory for actual adulthood mm-hmm. that I hated watching. I was like oh why 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 are you like this?
2: Yeah, and also the part where the brother. Um, blows the boat oh yeah up. the suicide that might have yes. been before the Earth
1: Queen. It was. It was the end of the mm, first, that's third season. first season.
0: Yeah, and I think that was a lot for um, these kind of young audiences to really come to terms with. And Cora's growth overall, like when we first meet Cora, she is like young, abrasive. She is very. Um... You got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like even when she was a child, that's what she was like. But I think that the audience that they were trying to target was still at the time that the show came out, cause it came out in 2012. And at the time that the show came out, it was very much, was it 2012? Maybe it wasn't eight, nine, ten. Cause I think original avatar came out in 2008. Who knows?
1: The internet knows. We'll
0: fix it in post. Somebody will
1: fact check <laughs> us and be like, "Excuse me, you guys call yourselves Avatar fans?"
2: Yeah, exactly. So I, I didn't get to watch me. it in real time because we didn't have cable. I didn't watch it until Craig and I were first living together. Oh man, we had to stream it a- legally we had because, because <laughs> no streaming on legal it.
0: legal software. <laughs> I got to watch Avatar: The Last Airbender when it was on, and I remember just being so excited that. Because it made me feel like anime was like going mainstream. Like, it made me feel like, you know, all of the times I spent watching Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that, like, we're getting something at least similar in style to that for a more mainstream audience. Like, it's on Nickelodeon. Like, Nickelodeon was the shit when I was a kid. Slime Time Live, like, Double mm. Dare. Like, Ali and I were going through yesterday. Oh, of the uh, she's looking yes. at all
2: these shows and talking about them, and I'm just like, I don't know. Like, anything. are you afraid of the dark? Oh, Ali, no. Like, yeah. We didn't get, we didn't get um, satellite TV
0: until after I was in high school, so I grew oh, up watching. Streaming
1: service yes. on Nickelodeon is it Paramount? Yeah, like, it's Paramount because I have
0: Paramount Plus. Yeah, that's what we were on yesterday because I was showing her Clarice and like all the other good shows that are fucking on there. Which <laughs> we need to do an episode on Clarice because that shit was so good.
1: All right, Paramount Plus, where's our money? Yeah,
0: Paramount Plus sponsor us. We're just gonna bleep them out until people just like figure out what we're talking about, <laughs> or until they sponsor us. With Cora, it was so nice to see this strong female character coming out of the gate and I hate using the word strong female character because I feel like it just gets such a weird connotation to it nowadays but one thing that I found online when I was kind of researching for this episode is that uh you and I'm gonna I'm gonna completely butcher the name so I apologize but I believe it's Yu Jae Myung who heads the Korean animation studio, Studio Mir, basically stated in 2013, like, Nickelodeon was reluctant to produce Legend of Korra because its protagonist was female. The second half of the third season, and then basically the entire fourth season, were actually moved online exclusive.
1: Uh-huh. Nickelodeon fucked with the Korra. Everybody acts like it's, like, had this rocky start, but mm-hmm. the production, they're like, make one season. Never mind, nah. you're making another one. And they're like, what? That's like,
2: why it's so, the pacing is so awkward, right? Because yeah. that show is weirdly paced, and then since, I think it's kind of cool that they had different villains because they did so well with each one, but they probably would have had one main villain if they knew, right? Yeah, um, yeah if they knew that like like over the course of the show. this thing would have been way more of
1: an overarching mm-hmm. thing instead of cramped kind of into a season.
0: And I think one thing about the villains too, that like really helps to highlight the show and sh- and Cora's personality is that each villain, and I was telling Ali about this yesterday as well, is that like it felt to me that each villain every season that the stakes got like a little bit higher each time, other than like the second season, which like the second season was almost trash anyways, except for like the beginnings episodes. Those ones were the like some of the best episodes of the entire series. The second season was like, strangely paced. I felt like each time she met this villain, the stakes were like raised. And she also got to know a little bit more of herself and got to come to terms with things like PTSD and trauma and depression and anxiety. And it's one of those characters who is fundamentally flawed from the get-go. Because again, when we first see Korra, she is very much abrasive. She is very like in your face, I'm gonna do things the way that I want, like, and we also get to see her as like almost a fully formed avatar. When we met Aang, all he knew was airbending. She knows everything except airbending, and I thought that that was a really nice touch. What's really interesting about this avatar going off and having to learn all these, like learn all the different bending, like in a time when there's peace and in a time where it's not like, you know, she was almost not, I don't want to say, like, an unnecessary figure for a long time, but, like, she wasn't really, the stakes weren't as high for it her. It wasn't
2: when the world needed her most. <laughs> yes.
0: Exactly.
2: Exactly. Aang was very, very careful and cautious. Serene, because he'd been raised by monks. And then Korra is just goes in blazing and like kind of shoot first, ask questions later attitude. She, she, yeah, she's such an opposite of Aang, which was kind of cool to explore just to be like, yeah, the Avatar can be different personality types too.
0: And I think that's one reason why there was a lot of pushback initially when the series came out and why a lot of it was like, like taken so differently than obviously Aang, because he left an impact as a character who is very much like i choose peace first i choose you know i will not choose violence but like Cora wakes up every morning, brushes her teeth, and chooses violence regardless <laughs> chooses of the situation. It's not the way to make
1: a name for yourself as a woman. Like, you have to fight for it. There's no, like, oh, I'll just be, you can't be a passive woman and expect to get shit done and people to respect you. And she knew that right out of the gate, which is a lesson I think a lot of people don't learn that early. Right. So I have a lot of respect for her in that regard, but she's kind of got, like, a little bit of that Katara streak at the Water Tribe, where she's like, no, fuck you, you're gonna do this, like no, Sarah, like, I'm gonna do it my way or I'm gonna fight you. And like, that's just the best way she knows for the long time.
0: Yeah, and I love that as a message to a younger audience. If I knew (laughs) when I was small... Like, <laughs> trying to watch Korra, what I know now about how fucking hard it is, you know, for people of, of non-male-identifying genders to, like, make their way and forge a path in the universe. I absolutely would not have, like, anywhere near the level of criticism for Korra that I had when I was younger. Like, just trying to what watch Did you it.
1: grow with your world experience? Oh my what? god, it's almost
0: like I fucking grew with my world experience, guys. Like, it is almost like learning
1: actually helps you new information allows you to change your opinions
0: what that's was, no you, not guy, you guys are being brainwashed <laughs> yeah. the country and, uh, we're fucking being brainwashed we're like completely melted into the liberal agenda and you guys went to liberal colleges and the liberals oh, have melted shit. your college educated feminist
1: slut. it's because, it's because
2: <laughs> we got the vaccine
1: this is oh. fucking bill gates
2: talking god damn it okay right. i have a question about the vaccine so, if theoretically they put one half of a chip in, or they put a chip in, and the second vaccine is when they activate it, what if someone like me, say, gets one dose in one arm and the other dose in the other arm?
1: I hadn't heard that there. That's not how the chips work. We were just wondering how you made sure you only got one chip in a multi-dose vial, anyway. Oh.
2: Mm, I didn't even think about that one. Yeah.
1: It's like, how do you know you didn't get, like, three chips and somebody else only got one? <laughs> like, I mean, that's not fair. Like, what if I get a signal boost? I need the Bluetooth, guys. What if I you don't get cheese. any
0: chip? Oh, <gasps> Fuck. <laughs> So one thing that, and I hate to keep talking about this in the context of like, let's compare Cora to Aang because that's what we are doing. But I mean, that's kind of what we almost have to do in a sense because of the criticism and stuff that Cora received after coming. Like, I almost wish that we would have been able to see, like, Korra first, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if Legend of Korra came out first, like, what would the reception of Avatar The Last Airbender have been like? Like, I personally feel like Avatar wouldn't have gotten anywhere near the level of criticism that Legend of Korra got because of the fact that, like, first of all, everything in Avatar The Last Airbender is very universal. Like, it's a very universal kind of experience. Like, people can watch it from anywhere in the world, at any age, at any gender, and get something from it. Like, I personally truly believe in the messages of the show. Whereas with Cora, I think that there is undertones and like undercurrents of a universal message. But I think that the message itself like really impacts women more. And I think it it has the power to do more for inspiration in females and in young girls to see a kick-ass Female avatar taking shit.
1: And see, I would argue that there's a little bit of like, hey, like positive masculinity in there. Like, yeah. can we please see more dads like Tenzin? Like, I'm can all we for please people see seeing more those characters examples.
0: like Boleyn? Like, yes, exactly. I like, love oh, like.
1: I got quote-unquote friend-zoned. Oh, we can legitimately still be friends and I'll get over it. Like, yes, yes. Legitimately still want to be your friend. Why aren't you writing me letters? Like, And then Mako, who is broody,
2: ex-girlfriend and other Mako. ex-girlfriend, get together.
0: Oh, yeah. That poor boy. The
2: love I, triangle was just so... It was goofy, but I, I like the way it ended out. Mm-hmm. But it was weird for a while.
0: It was. So, one thing with Aang, he dealt with a fairly simple good versus evil narrative, right? Like, you had... Everybody else who was good, and then knew the Fire Nation who was bad. And that was the narrative of the show. I think that later on in the show, they did a lot of good kind of story building amongst the Fire Nation to really show, like, it's not the Fire Nation itself that's bad, it's Ozai who's bad. Mm -hmm. And differentiating between the two of those things, I think, was very important. With Korra, she's dealing with more complex villains. So, like, you have Amon and the Equalists, which was really the start of her PTSD Uh, using grief to kind of heal, getting um, having to get her bending back. And then you had Zaheer, who like, the whole reason why she, she takes like three years Mm -hmm. to have to like redevelop her strength. She ends up in a wheelchair because she is like just paralyzed. She's poisoned, she's traumatized. And like, it was a very much more complex kind of character arc with Cora and the villains that she had to face than it I think was with Ozai. Oh,
1: absolutely. The whole socio political like scale of the world. It's like, oh, like the Earth Nation's putting itself back together whether mm-hmm. you want it to or not. And is this a good thing? did it start as a good thing? When did it stop being a good thing? Like that really well done opposition that they did with her um Are you
2: thinking of the Earth Queen or Kubira? Thank
1: you. Um, so, I really liked how Kavira started as a good guy, like on our mm-hmm. team, and like, hey, you helped save me, and like, remember, we met. And then it's just that, hey, but like, this is the right way to do things. And everyone's like, mm, is it though? And it's just very, very Daenerys Targaryen uh, sim- similar to me. Just kind of. Daenerys like,
2: Targaryen was wronged.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just hit a hard spot for Allie. Sorry. She got
0: fucked. I'm sorry. She really did. She got fucked by timing. She got fucked by money. She got fucked by writers who were under pressure to live up to expectations that couldn't possibly have been met. She
1: got fucked by her nephew.
0: She got fucked by her nephew. <laughs> she, got, <laughs> she deserved better. Justice for Daenerys. Justice for Daenerys. That's what we're going to come out of the other side of the Korra episode is just justice <laughs> for Daenerys Targaryen. And one other kind of aspect with her and, and the villains that Cora that has faced that i thought was really interesting is that we see a lot more of the personality of these villains than i think that we do from ozai and i think we see it from them versus from anecdotes about them a lot of Everything that we saw from Ozai really initially, if we saw him, it was, like, this sort of, like, mustache-twirling villain kind of mm-hmm. aspect. It was,
1: like, Zuko reminiscing the- about what he could remember, put together, and stories, and, like, Azula giving, like, um, like remember when Dad did that thing and he was going to kill you? Like, I, like yeah. family is really-
2: memories. Happy family memories. I think um, the only time they really humanized, the thing that showed humanization of Ozai was when they found a baby picture
0: in Katara or somebody was like,
2: oh Zuko, look at your baby picture. And he's like, yeah, that's my dad.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But like with even it it even starts in season one in Korra where Amon is this figurehead of this revolution. And, you know, he he addresses Korra directly at many points throughout the actual buildup of the first season. And we really get to see this kind of other side of the villainy that that this Avatar is going to face throughout the whole series where it is personal for her. And it is very much something that she has to act on her emotions and she has to act on, you know, kind of the moment in the situation in order to resolve these very complex and nuanced issues. And having, you know, this sort of combative elements of the public opinion versus her, it's like taking a public opinion of like a president or something like that. Like at the end of the day, something that I think gets lost a lot when it comes to like leaders and politics is that these people ultimately work for us. And when we're giving public opinion on them, what we should be reviewing (laughs) is their job. Like how well are they doing their job? It shouldn't have to do with their personality. It shouldn't have to do with the way they look. Like it shouldn't have to do with any of that. It's how like we're your boss and this is a review. That is what public opinion should reflect. And I think that we see kind of a breakdown of that dynamic between both Aang and Korra, whereas, like, public opinion of Aang is great. Like, they love him. They like, oh people, Thank God the
1: Avatar's back. It's been 100 un- years. Unless
0: they're like, well you were gone for 100 years. Yeah, exactly. What's that? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whereas with Korra, another thing that she has to face and come to terms with as well is that she is riding the coattails of positive opinion that Aang left, right? Like, she is lauded as being the Avatar when she really hasn't done at least before the series has started like she really hasn't done a ton to earn her place there yet
1: and don't they make a point of saying something like like cora the avatar after Aang, or something like that like there's somebody who makes a comment to that effect in the show or is kind of like yeah you're gonna get lost in his shadow and then she almost feels like she has to overprove herself
0: Right, and on top of that too, like she also, even economically, experiences a very different world than what she, as a woman, would have experienced if she was not the avatar. Like, cause we even see it when she's talking with Mako and Bolin, like finding out that they live above this arena, like in a like dingy little apartment where she's never had to want for anything because she's been the avatar. Like everything has kind of been handed to her. And coming to terms with that and understanding that like, oh, this is not what it's like for other people. I knew that, but I never really got to see it. She actually has a quote kind of, I think, at the end of, like towards the end of the series where she says, if I hadn't known suffering, I wouldn't have been able to help people as much. Like, you know, I had to know suffering in order to have empathy for for other people. And I think that's a really important lesson that she learned along the way. And one of my favorite Korra moments really is, like, season one, episode four, when she's kidnapped by Amon, and, like, Mm -hmm. basically in this dark room, and he's telling her, like, what he's going to do. He's, like, doing the whole villain thing where he tells her his whole evil plan. And when Tenzin finally gets there, she just collapses, and she literally starts sobbing, and it's like, I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. And it really showed us this is somebody who has all of the building blocks of being able to handle her emotional shit, right? Because we're all necessarily like built with those kinds of intuitions and in our minds. But we also know when to be scared. And, And the thing that we're told a ton, especially like women as well, is like you can't show that sort of like sad scared uncomfortable situation because you're gonna make other people feel uncomfortable and just watching her and being able to see her like let it go and just let all of this emotion kind of pour out was really like surprising especially so early in the series.
1: And Especially with Tenzin just like for as much as they butt heads and have that friction like that's who she's going to like I need an anger I need to be steady like he's the one.
2: A hundred percent. One thing that I think also makes the villains in Korra a little more complicated for her to deal with is and this is something we touched on yesterday a little bit was that the villains all start from a place that is actually very reasonable like they start mm-hmm. from with good intentions the one is like hey A lot of these benders are using their power to manipulate non-benders. I I don't like that. I want to change that. So then Cora also has to deal with the fact that the situation isn't black and white. You're not a bad guy for thinking that I don't want... Benders should
1: treat people barely. Like, that's a reasonable thing. Right.
2: They're like, hey, can we not be exploited because of our lack of bending abilities? Or for Kuvira, I can't remember exactly, but I know that... She's trying to get the Earth Nation to kind of come together. There was a lot of crap her people had dealt with, basically. And, you know, if you start from base zero, it's like, those are fair. It's not, you're not just a bad guy because you want to fix something that's been wrong. So there's that additional layer of accepting that, like, yeah, you had a good start. You're not, like, the bad guy for that. The problem is you took it too far in the other direction. Whereas with Ozai and Aang, it was just Ozai wants to basically take over the world.
0: And that's not okay. <laughs> so are you saying that Cora really sent a message of extremism is a bad thing? Like Life is all about balance. Exactly, exactly. It's like it's nice that you bring up that point because like when we see Cora at her most volatile, it's when she is combating these narratives of extremism. Like, it's when she is really trying to sort of come to terms in her own mind that things don't just have to be black and white one way or the other. Like, you know, people can live harmoniously. People can live in a, you know, positive area with the things that they want it doesn't have to just be one person gets their way and everybody else has to suffer for it. Like it's really her just trying to figure out how to strike that balance. And I think that she does that a lot internally as well. So let's talk about the love triangle. Best part about the entire series. The first season, one of the things that gets a huge, a ton of criticism is the whole love triangle between Mako. Well, it's like a love quadrangle.
1: Yeah, because at first it was Korra, Mako, and Bolin, And then it turns yes. into Korra, Mako, and Asami. Yes. And, and
2: like, still kind of, like, hanging out there.
0: Yeah, but... Bolin's just like, I'll take what I can get, I guess. <laughs> I feel like once
1: he was just like, okay, friends, like, he was good with it. Like, yeah.
0: And I think, so a lot of people kind of shit all over it. Don't necessarily like the love triangle. I will say it doesn't suck for the reason you think it does. (laughs) Like, I personally think that the love triangle added a little bit or love quadrangle added a bit of realism, especially with the way that they handled it because and hear me out here. So it starts off with Korra <laughs> and Bolin and Mako. And Bolin clearly has a little bit of a crush on Korra from the from the beginning, oh, like yeah. from the get-go. But Korra is clearly interested in Mako. And so when Mako and Korra kind of start to share that feeling with each other, then Asami gets thrown into the picture, and shit just starts to get shaken up. And and Mako even says at one point, like, I'm with Asami, I can't feel this kind of stuff for you. Then it shifts again, and it's like Korra and Bolin, and then Mako is just like, okay, well, you're only dating my brother to get back at me, and blah, blah, blah. And he throws a hissy fit, great. meanwhile, they all have to deal with each other, right? Like, they all have to see each other when they are going to the pro bending matches and they're, like, dealing with the shit with with the triad. Like, they are all having to deal with each other on a daily basis. What sucks is that, like, when you're involved with your friends, right? Like, when you get involved in a relationship with, like, somebody in your friend group, like, you have to navigate that still. Like, it's a very realistic thing. I think it's very realistic in the, in the context of, especially teenagers and, like, younger adults. Like,
1: you only know... Has a anybody listening never been to summer camp or band camp or, like, any extended period of time where it's, like, new environment? What's this? Like- yeah. Who's
0: this? Who's this? You're new. Hello. like Exactly. And like the people that, like, you obviously have to know the person that you're dating or whatever. So like, clearly, like, one of the easiest ways to do that is through meeting people and also Tinder, but they didn't really have, like, saw Tinder or oh SawTonder or like, something like that. Avatar like, Tinder. Varric would be in charge Ava-tinder. of Avatar Tinder. Varric would be uh, Varric would develop the app and yeah, it would yep. just be fucking great. But I thought that it did add a little bit of realism, especially with the way that they handled it and, and kind of getting to see them navigate those weird complex emotions. From a character arc, like for Korra to be kind of stuck in the middle of this, I don't think it really detracted from her character at all, just because she didn't constantly act on things in order to appease the relationship and we even see this later when her and mako are established as dating and like are together they start to butt heads about opinions on things like the civil war and the water tribes like they're literally having debates on how to handle it mako goes behind Korra's back and Korra, at the end of the day is just like okay well like we clearly don't agree on this Mm -hmm. so maybe we should just not be together because this is something that's really really important to me and like that was kind of my take on the love triangle what do you guys think? i think the fact they did
2: handle it more realistically than what we usually see it portrayed on tv
0: it, it felt more
2: realistic to me it's been a while since i've seen it and that was not the part of the show i focused on the most because i just usually don't care about the love triangles <laughs> like it's not what i go for when i watch shows not jane without Jane would not be into just,
1: it. It was the way, like, Mako got really standoffish. Like, Bolin very wholeheartedly was just like, no, poor friends. This is fine. Like, can be my, my friend Cora, She's great. And, like, was earnest about it. Yeah. Like, Mako got all in his feelings and was just, like, being super weird and, like, okay, well, I can't go because, like, I used to date you. And she's like, why would you think that we're friends? And, like, just kind of that obvious, like, you can be friends with girls, dude. It's like, oh. But, Even but also, girls sometimes are you people are going
2: to take a moment to be broody and mm-hmm. you just got to love them anyway.
0: Yep.
2: Tell them when they're being
0: silly exactly when we kind of see the continuation of this stuff later um that was one thing that i think that seasons three and four didn't really suffer from was having to like live under the shadow of these sort of weird love triangles or love quadrangles and one thing that the the korasami like sort of element of it gets criticized for is people are like well, we didn't really see their relationship develop, and like it doesn't really make a lot of sense that they ended up together at the end. And I'm just like, okay, first of all, did you watch the show? And second of all, like, okay, there was also a three-year period in which like they Cora wrote letters in Asami. Yeah, they really only mm-hmm. wrote letters together. Like, you don't have to physically be around a person to like fall in love with them. Like, also, it was Nickelodeon
2: in the 2010s. Like, come on, the mm-hmm. fact that they held hands at the end was
1: groundbreaking
0: yeah exactly <laughs> that was like a crazy thing like to see that lgbtq representation and Reading then an
1: article on that is what changed my mind about watching avatar and then everyone's like no no start with the first one and like so that's what i was like okay i have to watch this series then because this is pretty damn cool like so i knew the end of Korra before i ever started watching any of the avatar
0: oh really okay mm-hmm. that's a good that's a see and i again like i watched it from the very beginning like because that was Just where I had landed at the time. Like, that was my age range. It was, I was the target audience, right? But, like, I think one thing that I benefited from, and one reason why I loved Korra as much as I have loved Korra, is that I didn't watch it Mm -hmm. until I was a lot older and had already, like, I can kind of look at it, and it's almost like I'm looking back on a nostalgic time of my life where I know what she went through like I feel what she went through I feel that sort of anger and that development of a woman growing up in a world that's not as you know super accepting of them as they were of their male counterparts yeah, I remember like,
1: learning those lessons
0: exactly and so it's a nice thing to watch and be able to kind of like look fondly back on that on that oh. time, overcoming those kinds of situations and understanding that the adversity and stuff that like I have faced in my life as being like a woman, like, first of all, it's nothing compared to being a woman of color and nothing compared to being a person of color just in general. But, you know, knowing that the adversity that I have faced in my life, I've been able to overcome it, not in spite of myself being a woman, but like, because I was, am a woman <laughs> but yeah
2: yeah the first time I tried to watch Legend of Korra was right after the first time I watched Avatar The Last Airbender which again I was like 21 or 22 with the first time I watched mm-hmm. Avatar and so he jumped right to Legend of Korra after and I couldn't do it I watched one episode and I was like I can't
1: we came really close it was too the pacing was weird those first couple of episodes I'm like what is happening like all of a sudden it's like all right now we're gonna get to the city three episodes of Exposition, end, I was like,
2: whoa. whoa." Also, I needed more time to just sit with the... I was so sad when Avatar, that show was over. Craig mentioned it was the last episode, and I was, like, kind of heartbroken, and I needed a lot more time to just sit with that and process it before trying to watch Korra. It's like adopting
1: a pet too soon after one passes away. Like, I'm not trying to replace (laughs) you. Yeah.
2: And then it, because, like, that's not a replacement either, and Korra is not the same as Avatar. And initially, I was one of those people who I mean, I do I guess I don't know how you, with such a short time period, how you could not initially judge it based on Avatar. And I was still like, very much in that headspace of I just need like I'm so I love the show, and now it's over, and I'm really sad. And this show, this show is just not. I can't do this right now. So then I didn't think i would want to watch it for a while and then um after we watched avatar the second go around then i think i was like okay i think i'm ready now and then i enjoyed it
0: yeah you guys just badgered the shit out of me until i actually watched (laughs) it (laughs) you will like it i promise and uh and just kind of in response to that like there's there's a wired.com article that's you hate legend of Korra for all the wrong reasons it's it has a couple quotes. One of my favorites is Cora isn't ang and that's okay to say. Like it's okay to say that the reason why Legend of Korra maybe doesn't live up to your expectations is because you're holding those expectations to Aang. Like, Korra is not Aang. That's fine. It's, she's a different person. And
1: that book said it great in their thing. They're like, Aang's story had already been told. We don't need to revisit this. No, thank you. Like, we're good. Exactly.
0: And then they also, like the article also said, judge the show not as separate from Avatar The Last Airbender, but as a response to it. Which I thought was really sort of a great way to look at it and a great way to kind of interpret the messages that Legend of Korra has because you see Aang going through his journey which arguably like I don't think was necessarily his own journey and one of the things about Korra that like I found so it was almost hard for me to focus on Korra when trying to get notes up down about this for this episode because I felt like the casting of, not the casting, but the whole ensemble of everyone involved, like everyone else was so interesting too. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost for me, it's like the magicians, which is like one of my favorite shows of all time is so fucking good. It's got like a main white male protagonist character. But once you've gotten into like the third or the fourth episode, you almost forget that Quentin is the main character because the ensemble cast is just so strong. These characters are all so well written. Their backstories are so well fleshed out and it's so beautiful to be able to experience things from so many different perspectives when watching a show like that. And that's one thing that I loved about Cora is that you see a lot of the ensemble characters in ways that you know, we we saw Differently in Avatar, because where in in the last Airbender we saw them all together pretty much constantly mm-hmm. up until like the Tales of Ba Sing Se episode and like you know the Zuko alone episode for the most part everybody was together and interacting as a group. But in Korra we got to see different people interacting on their own, and I think that the build up with that was a really beautiful thing to execute and to watch. And one of just like one of the reasons why it makes Korra a strong character because having to stick out amongst the rest of that that casting is is just hard.
1: Yeah, everybody's pretty cool.
0: I also like how cute the spirits are in Korra. Yeah. Yes, the little chubby spirit with the little armies, and then the other little armies, and then the other little leggies with the little leafs on his head. I want a little tattoo of that guy. He's so cute. Yeah. I do find it
2: disturbing how easily they they can change to evil. I guess I'm like, yeah, why? that was
0: weird. The why spirits thing was guys crazy. They're not like
2: autonomous beings. Yeah. Right. I still want, like, an explanation on that from the creators.
0: <laughs> it was, like, the idea, I think, of, like, light and then chaos being, like, almost the opposite of it versus, like, darkness, you know? Like, And that's kind of almost another, another exploration of Korra as a character concept, too. Because, like, goodness is not necessarily the opposite of evil. Like, you can still have evil in the world and in yourself even but be a good person it's like when you give in to the chaos behind it that's like that's where you start to lose yourself and you start to lose that goodness and i think one thing that we see cora do fairly often is start to lose herself to the chaos and start to lose herself to the just kind of overwhelming um pressures of the world acting on her. Even, and one thing I noticed too, like even in in an episode where she was like addressing people like from a podium, like with with the president and stuff, I think this is when they were like forming the task force against Amon in the first season and Turlock was like pressuring her to join them. And she was just like, no, I don't wanna, you know, like I don't wanna do that. She actually like kind of boxed her shoulders and like modulated, like you could tell the, the voice actress was like almost like modulating her voice to make it sound like slightly deeper and it remind i had like a full on hillary clinton moment <laughs> i was like fuck i was like this is it this is where they're showing that like women can't be in positions of power because they literally will either be too emotional or what and like the whole time that she's like talking and taking questions from like the press she's like f- like she's fumbling and she's she loses that whole like strong female voice that's slightly deeper and like you know that kind of thing she loses it because she is feeling the chaos like acting on her and it's hard to continue to maintain that sort of facade of i'm a strong perfect woman who has never had a bad day in her life and nothing is actually wrong with her sort of facade that she was forced to put on so
2: i do notice that like i will make my voice sound a little deeper too when i i'm like okay you need to listen to me like yeah that's cool that you've noticed that too because I don't remember picking that part out so.
0: yeah I think I like went into it when I was watching that part in particular I was kind of almost looking for a behavior and it was it was encouraging that I found it but also discouraging because I'm like yeah this, you is, immediately
1: recognize this that. is
0: what we have to do oh god fuck um, Janet Varney, even, when she made a comment on how she portrayed Katara, or, fucking, I don't know why I keep saying Katara. Yes, I, you do. Yes, I do. I have, like, 75 pages of a fucking fan fiction on the mm. docket right now. I'm such an idiot. It's, it's what I do to feel good, okay? I can't fucking play Dead by Daylight anymore because it's pissing me off, and I can't play Pokemon Unite because it's also pissing me off, and I can't play Overwatch because I can't support Blizzard because fuck those people, but I can write fanfiction. So, y'all
1: I'm just Liz right now. Anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, Janet Varney, uh, like on, a, on how she kind of chose to portray uh, Cora, uh, she said she just wanted to honor her humanity, which included all those qualities some folks decided made her less likable. And I love that. Like, I just love that regardless of whether or not people liked Cora in the beginning, Janet Varney was just like, yeah, I fucking love her. I'm already done recording the first season. I'm seeing the feedback from people like as the you know the episodes come out and I'm just like, what is wrong with you people? like why aren't you like why don't you like her? I get that she's not likable like in certain points, that's fine. You don't have to be likable, but she's the fucking avatar. So deal with it. Like she's the <laughs> avatar. deal with it. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a I think that's a really good kind of comment on her as a character overall. I think it also
2: takes a bit of maturity to realize that there are things you can dislike about someone, but you can still like them on the whole. Yep. And maybe when people first started watching, criticizing it, they hadn't quite reached that level yet. So they were like, well, Cory does this, these two things that annoy me. So I don't like her.
0: Yeah. And also the idea of like, somebody doesn't have to be likable in order to be a good person too. Like that's another, that's another thing that like, I think, we lose in the shuffle sometimes like there are people that I don't like and I know that they're still a good person or I know that they're still a good, like I'm not discounting their personality just because for some reason, my brain is like, yeah, you don't like that person. Cause you're stupid. Like, <laughs> like I'm not trying to discount another person because of that. And I think that we just really should understand that. Like just because you don't like a character, you don't like, you know, a particular thing doesn't make mean it's necessarily bad. Like Which it means it's
1: not for you. Like people exactly. need to take a step mm-hmm. back and remember. Like me not liking something in the board of media that we have to consume from right now. There's gonna be a flavor for everybody. Like, hey, do you like spicy fucking pistachio? Because that exists now because the internet allows for all things. Blessed be. But like. <laughs> Like they people act like oh like I don't like it therefore it's bad like country music's one that gets that lightning rod all the time like yeah. you con- you are completely okay to not like country music that does not make it invalid as a media like sorry
0: I mean I will argue that there is some country music that's just real bad oh yeah no like
1: there's poorly done country I before. I
0: have that summer by Garth Brooks or whoever the fuck it was like on my playlist like forty six times it's like it's one of my favorite songs Brooks, yeah. yeah yeah it's, it's just uh, one of
1: those like but it's like okay like you don't like like screamo you don't like heavy like street rap but like that doesn't mean that those art forms aren't valid and I feel like people with social media just forget that it was like I like I hate that show I'm never gonna watch it I'm gonna talk shit about it but you've never even seen it it's like why do you have an opinion on it like then don't watch it that's that's all you gotta do bud
2: also we can like characters that we know we can like characters and even people and we're like I know you're kind of a bad person or I know you're like the villain but I love you
0: it's entertainment Oh, I love a good villain. (laughs) Fuck yeah. I loved Zaheer. Like, Zaheer is like... That was good. That was
1: really creepy. Yeah,
0: I did not... I did not feel comfortable with a lot of what he did, and that made me like him. Like... I liked how
2: he... I really liked the part where Korra eventually went to his prison cell and was like, Hey, I am struggling with this. And he's like, I'll help you. And that just... And he helped her like, guide her to the spirit world. And it was just incredible that... He tried to kill her and almost did, but now he's helping her and he's talking about basically this is his goal and in a way they could, it it starts with that good intention he began with Mm -hmm. before he went extreme. And it's kind of like, okay, let's go back to that route and now let's kind of both work together on that and put our, put the past, just gently set it aside for right now. It doesn't invalidate the fact he tried to kill her because that's still kind of significant, but it's like... Now they're working together, and it was very beautiful.
0: Yeah, I really did enjoy it. Like that's probably one of my favorite arcs. Like it wasn't a, re- and that's another thing too. It wasn't a redemption arc for him. Like they weren't trying to redeem him as a character or as a villain. Like not everybody needs a redemption arc. It's not necessary all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus we need to actually watch the movie because I heard yes. good things about it and it's actually really bothering the shit out of me that I haven't watched it yet but I mean I'm sure it'll come up
2: I want to watch right. it as soon as school's done and it's almost done yes yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. we need to have a day where we just literally do watch nothing. alongs like we do it yeah we'll
1: watch alongs, yes.
2: pardon me. also I guess to I've known people where I'm like you're kind of a bad person but I just like you because I know how to deal with, I know how to handle you I don't know if you guys have
1: ever experienced that. It depends like, on what kind of bad person. Like, are you somebody who's not self-aware and very narcissistic? Like, maybe. Like, are you somebody what, who's what... like, hey, maybe don't punch babies? Probably not. Like, <laughs>
2: I mean... Okay, the person I'm thinking of, I don't think, punches babies, but narcissistic. Is it baby Hitler? And kind of a liar and kind of lazy, but, like, I know how to deal with them, and sometimes they're entertaining, so I like them.
0: I feel super attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Allie just fully confessed on the There's podcast. you were liar. I'm a narcissistic, lying son of a bitch. It's fine. And what? A, what? A, any? Any other Cora comments? Like this feels like it felt like we were talking for five minutes. Not even gonna lie. You know, I'm it's like, been over have, an hour.
2: We had to have missed some points. There's a lot, but uh yeah,
0: we're gonna I have to do about. like a wrap-up, like season-ending episode or something. Like I don't i don't know we're gonna have seasons necessarily maybe like in our like a hundredth episode we'll just go back and like re-listen the like, and then we'll like we'll like say okay so much of our opinions have changed like what the fuck was i thinking or like what did we miss like what did we not talk about like <laughs> maybe we should listen to the episode where we destroyed the candles Oh, okay. oh yeah because you guys were literally just getting high on playing <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually sure. I'm really sorry that I don't have little like play-doh no, let's
1: not burn down your really nice like recording office now you actually live-able. play-doh it's not
0: flammable like we could just get some gas. you could eat it Nickelodeon paycheck yeah where's our <laughs> where's our slime. money Nickelodeon <laughs> fuck Nickelodeon please go to our Patreon patreon.com damsels uh, go puff can go there too because I talk a lot about GoPuff. GoPuff is fucking clutch Uh, Who else did we talk about? Paramount. Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. Plus, Go to Patreon.com, Paramount Plus. Patreon.com slash damsels. Our tiers start at just a dollar, but let's be real. If you have that Paramount Plus money and that Nickelodeon money and that GoPuff money, you should probably give way more than that because, you know... I mean, we're out here supporting this this amazing show that we like. We're talking about it. Damsels everywhere, D A M N S E L S. If you don't know how to spell it, then you may be listening to this on a rock or something because you clearly had to find the podcast and know how to spell it as well. What if
2: what if they're blind and they have to just um, do everything by voice?
0: Then they that. should still know how to spell it though, because oh. they would have had to put it I in. I guess they've never been born, yeah. so yeah. Neither I am I. Mean, there's
1: no. One person who found this on like a random shuffle that's very offended right now. Yeah, <laughs> they're
0: really, really mad. Thanks aside. for assuming
1: my literacy.
0: This is a this is a all inclusive, all all accessible podcast. And if you are blind and listening to the podcast, g- fucking, I don't know how Thank you do you. it. Thank you, you're awesome. Um, but yeah, everybody have have a great day and month. And even a prepare. year. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, let's call it out a month. We don't know what's going to happen. Delta variant is creeping up on us, and it's
1: not great. I am about to get